Welcome to FinTalks, a chat with Finance Malta Members Edition. With me today, I have Mr. Garrett Jenner, CEO of Trust Stamp, which is also a member of Finance Malta. Thank you very much, Mr. Jenner, um, that you are um, participating in this podcast. With you today, we're going to discuss the identity as the foundation for all transactions. Why is identity so important? Well, if we start off with the basic concept of who are we willing to do business with, whether as individuals or as businesses, and that is that we must have trust in the person with whom we're transacting. And if we don't know who they are, how can we possibly have trust? We then move to legal requirements. KYC AML, which is obviously really important in the financial services industry, that is know your client, and that starts with identity. Who are you? Okay, so, so um, checking the, the person that you're going to represent is crucial. That's what you're saying, right? Absolutely. We, we must know before we do business with somebody, who am I doing business with? Once I know who they are, we can decide whether or not we can trust them, and this is an appropriate transaction to carry out with that person. Having confidence as to the party's identity is critical to trust, without which a few transactions can take place. Can you expand on that? Well, certainly. Uh, if we again think about the world of finance, if you want to open a bank account, the bank needs to be 100% confident that they know who you are. So if you can't prove who you are, you can't open a bank account. If you can't open a bank account, you can't carry out most business transactions. If you want to buy and sell a property, the notary has to establish who you are. So unless you have the means to prove your identity, there are very few transactions you can carry on in a normal society. And what, what should that person or that company look for when it's um, checking on the identity of that individual? Well, we all have what's called a foundational identity. So if we think in Malta, we have a identity card or a residence card. And that means that the government has determined to its standards that it knows who this person is and gives them a card so that they can assert, look, this is who I am. I have an identity or a residence card that says that. But one of the complications is that many of our transactions today are digital. They're, they're online or on the telephone. So you can't produce your residence card at that point. And if you can, how does the person who is transacting with you know that's your residence card? We may all think we can recognize people against their photographs, but actually humans are really, really bad at doing that. But, but um, as you are very well aware, I mean, certain um, I certain part of your identity can also be mysterious you know so you can also hide part of your part of your identity what are the key questions that uh, companies like yours and, and whoever works in the financial industry should look for well they have to start with the foundational identity can we find a government or another trusted body who has asserted the identity of this individual that's that's the starting point and next, does this individual match the identity that's being presented to me? And one of the traditional ways to do that, other than an identity document, were things called, for instance, out-of-wallet questions. So you would be asked security questions. We've all been asked those by banks, uh, often inane, 
Uh, it could be where you went to school, what your mother's maiden name was. But today, those are all questions which can be found on social media because we're all incredibly open uh, in, in our dealings with the world. So those sort of questions just don't work anymore. So it is key to be able to match the individual to that identity document. But just to make life more challenging, there are people who have identity documents mm -hmm. which are legally issued, but which are not actually valid, mm -hmm. meaning that they have more than one identity. Mm -hmm. They've created what's called a synthetic identity. So then you have to look for other evidence. What are their dealings in the world? It can go as far as looking at social media accounts. Do their photographs and social media accounts match what's being presented to me right now? Does their history of transactions show that this pattern of behavior attaches to that individual? You're in Malta. If you turn up 10 minutes from now to carry out a transaction in Paris, that's probably not you. So it's a complex world now in proving identity where you have to look for these indications that perhaps this person isn't who they say they are. So you, you practically need to be two steps ahead of that individual himself while you're trying to get his trust, right? The, the bad guys are remarkably well-organized and well-funded. We're not talking about a single fraud to obtain one credit card. That's not a career. We are talking about fraudsters who are spending millions on systems and making millions by creating synthetic identities or stealing identities. So yes, you have to invest in order to at least keep up with them, but ideally stay just that step ahead of them. When you say you just use the word invest, does it only mean invest in training or invest in technology? Because from what you've just said a few minutes ago, it's like almost a detective job, you know? <laughs> it, it, it is. Uh, today, artificial intelligence is a, a really key factor here because you're having to make decisions based upon so many different facts, so much data that you're pulling in that a human cannot process it in that time. If you think every time you use your credit card, you get an authorization in sub one second. So clearly there's no time for the credit card company to be having a human being looking at that transaction saying yes or no. So they're relying upon automated systems. Today, banks, financial institutions are either investing tens of millions in building those systems themselves, or they are partnering with companies who've spent those sort of sums of money. Yeah, I will tell you, one of our key algorithms I estimate we spent five to seven million euros on developing a single algorithm. Biometrics are becoming very common. Can you tell us more about this and why are they becoming so common? Well, one of the reasons that we are seeing them is because, unfortunately, of the growth in crime, which is the need to try to establish who you're dealing with because there are so many people who are using stolen or synthetic identities. And just to be clear, a synthetic identity means you make an invented human being. It's not you're taking over somebody else's identity. You create an identity step by step until in the paper world, at least, they're a real person. And so I mentioned that you used to have out of wallet questions. The bank used to ask you those questions. And for a long time, that worked. Uh, it was still subject to somebody else knowing the information, but in the world of social media and data mining, that is absolutely useless as a concept. So how do I know you are you? 
as I say, even if you present an identity card, first of all, is it real? Secondly, even if it's real, was it obtained through inappropriate means? Meaning it's a real card, but it's not your identity. And thirdly, is that nine-year-old photograph of you with a different hairstyle really the same person as is in front of me? Now, apart from people who are called super recognizers, who we all see in the movies, we're all pretty awful at verifying who somebody really is. So that's where biometrics come in. And so biometrics, by the nature of the word, just means you're measuring the biometric factors. But this is done in a way which is far more complex than we're capable of, meaning in the case of one of our tools, 1.3 million different measurements are taken in microseconds and compared to your face. Now, things do change on your face, and so there are also aging algorithms. But the fact is there are certain fundamentals that stay the same. The distance between the center of your pupils doesn't vary day by day. There are other factors in terms of those measurements which will always stay consistent once you're an adult. And so biometrics is about taking those measurements and comparing them in order to say what is the probability this person is who they say they are. And I say probability because we think of AI as this magical all-knowing thing. All AI does is produce a probability. It tells you what is the likelihood of something. It's never a certainty. So ultimately, it's the judgment of that individual who is using that AI, right? Well, yes and no. Not in the individual instance. So what will happen is a bank will say, this is the score, accuracy score, which we accept yeah. for this type of transaction. And it can vary between different transactions. Because again, millions of transactions may be being processed every minute. There's no way you can have enough human beings to review those. Some things will go to review, and so there are times when you just get a decline on your card, even when you shouldn't, mm -hmm. because you've triggered a security algorithm. There are other times when a, an actual human being will check with you, but that's rarer these days. Um, you spoke about uh, financial inclusion. How important is this in every society, and how does your company contribute to this? So it's important in every society to different degrees. So if we look at Malta, one of the re recent directives from the central bank, which is to ensure Malta's compliance with KYC AML requirements, mm -hmm. limits the ability to sign a check over to someone else or cash a check. What that means is if you don't have a bank account, in the future you're not going to be able to receive a check. That's financial inclusion. So you would now be excluded from a type of financial transaction, receiving a check, unless you can have a bank account, and that means you have to approve in your identity and all of the other necessary factors for the bank to open you an account. So that's a small example in our society. But a lot of our work is in places like Africa. And so if we look on a macro scale, there are an estimated two billion people in the world who either don't have an identity or can't prove their identity. Now, some of these are refugees. Some of them did have a legal identity once. They were registered at birth, but they have no way of proving it. Others were never registered at birth. Others, as refugees, are fleeing from a society that doesn't recognize their existence. So those two billion people cannot transact digitally, but also they can't turn up somewhere and prove who they are. Let me stop you there because this is very interesting. So th those people cannot have a bank account. They can't have a bank account, a financial account. They have no way of proving who they are for any purpose whatsoever. Even if they have a refugee status? Correct, typically. Now, 
there are certain banks who will uh, help in some countries. But if you are in a refugee camp, you're not going to be able to have a bank account. But it goes beyond a bank account. Some of our work relates to vaccinations, which is also inclusion. You take your child to be vaccinated. How do you have a medical record if you have no way of proving who you are? You don't have a medical record because there's no way of recording that I've seen you before. I vaccinated your child before. And so that's another form of inclusion. The effect of this is staggering. It's estimated that the global economy could increase by between one and three trillion euro if only we were able to give an identity to everybody in order that they can transact, they can get medical help, and for instance, they can start to get microloans in order to start businesses, etc. And so where that comes in for us is that we create a foundational identity. So MasterCard is one of our principal partners. And so what we do with MasterCard is to provide human beings who have no way of asserting an identity with a digital identity. But here's what's really important. We talked about biometrics, and they're a fantastic tool. But what happens if somebody steals your biometrics? Mm. If they stole your username and password, you change them. You can't change your face or your fingerprints. And so what we do is to create from those an irreversibly transformed identity token. So this is a mathematical token. It can't be directly used to recognize you. It can't be used by anybody without you. But the AI has created a formula whereby we can say that token is actually you. So it's called 92. So here's the importance here. What we do is we create for these people with no legal identity an IT2. Now, even if they have no card, they have no document, when they turn up and present their face, they're able to match it to the IT2 so a doctor knows I've given this person the first vaccination for COVID and they're due for the second. Yeah. But it also means they can transact with a bank. Because when we do KYC AML, obviously there are strict rules to follow. But really what we need to worry about most is, does this human being have more than one account? Because there are limits on financial transactions you can carry out. But if you've got 10 accounts, of course, you circumvent the limits. So what the IT2 says is, I don't care that your name's John. It's not really relevant. This human being represented by this IT2 has only one account. And so a couple of weeks ago, it was announced that MasterCard has partnered with an African company called Paycode. And over the next three years, we'll create financial accounts for 30 million people in Africa with no identity for the purpose of getting a financial account. That's financial inclusion. And it works because of our technology, these 30 million people may or may not have an identity document, but they will have an IT2. And which helps the economy? Well, it helps the economy because now they can get microloans. They can register their children for school. They can start to the path to home ownership. They can build a credit rating because yeah. you can see what transactions they did. And the ripple effect, obviously, is huge because 30 million people may represent 100 million by the time you look at their family members. All that you've just suggested now and also that is being, in a way, implemented, um, how, how are the authorities taking this, the, govern the respective governments? So everybody has a concern about the use of biometrics for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is the loss, as we said. What happens if your biometrics are lost? But second is misuse. So we've seen a lot of concern about whether if you give your biometrics for one particular purpose, they could be used to track you surveillance. Uh, 
And so that is a concern. It's a concern of citizens, but governments also do, do worry about that. And what's key here is the reason that we focused on this concept of the identity token is your identity token cannot be stolen and it cannot be misused. Mm -hmm. So this fits well in with things like GDPR. Collect and use the minimum of data and don't store personal data that you don't need to store. So this is the path that governments want to see happen. Mr. Jenner, thank you so much for this interesting conversation. I encourage you all to follow this podcast on our YouTube channel and all our media platforms. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me.